Welcome to Grumpy GDPR. My name is Miloš Novovic and I'm an Associate Professor of Law at the Norwegian Business School. All opinions today are entirely my own. And I'm Ria Alexandra Valle from No Ties Consulting. Hi Ria, so nice to see you again. Hi Miloš, it's so nice to see you. How have you been? I'm doing really well. Uh, the weather took a bad turn in Norway, uh, as, you, as you know, living yourself in Norway. But uh, I've used the time to stalk you on LinkedIn because you always have extremely interesting news to share. I think you're my you know, <laughs> primary academic resource on the GDPR by this oh, stage. Thank you. And I've noticed uh, one of your posts just blew up. Uh, you've yeah. spoken about a super interesting case where, and I love my stupid puns, Google got schooled in Denmark. So uh, can you tell <laughs> our audience a bit more? That's going to be the title for this show, this episode, <laughs> for sure. Well, it's, you know, I, I, I write things uh, a bit provocative, I guess, on LinkedIn, uh, just to uh, really put the news out there. So it started with me with the fire emoji and Google products are banned for personal data processing and all US transfers suspended by the Danish DPA. And of course, that is that brings attention to it for sure. So uh, I guess... Uh, there were a lot of people seeing that post and the comments feel there is absolutely on fire. And it's interesting because people are so divided. Yeah, and I can fully understand why, because this is a case in which um, the Danish Data Protection Authority was dealing with the question of lawfulness of use of Google Workplace suit in a, a school setting, right? So um, why don't yeah. you tell us a bit about this case? Yeah, and the, the more I dug through it, the more details uh, came up. And actually, this seems to be dating back all the way back to 2010, where a municipality asked for the DPA for to be allowed to use uh, Google Apps, I think it was called back then. And uh, going over the years, it's at least 560 schools in Denmark using Google Chromebooks and Google apps slash G Suite, which are now called Google Workspace. So let's just call it that going forward. And this particular case, so the first complaint came actually in December 2019, when two parents of two separate kids launched a complaint with the Danish DPA, because all of a the sudden their kids had YouTube accounts. Can you imagine? That sounds really crazy. And it's really what uh, got my attention to this case as well. It's, uh, you know, we're talking about children and the repercussions of uh, creating YouTube accounts for children are, you know, very, they can be really far reaching. I mean, we've seen many cases with uh, cyberbullying, which remains a very, very uh, big concern. And I mean, even in the early days of yeah. the internet, we have seen that children actually suffer uh, when you know videos of them are, for example, shared online, when they're, um, let's say, when the fellow kids start to mock them and bully them, so it can go wrong in very many ways. But what was special in this case was that Google actually created itself YouTube accounts uh, for all the children which had school accounts, right? So those YouTube accounts would have kids' name, they would have their photo which was taken in school. So if a kid was to comment on someone's video while it logged into this account on YouTube, it would leave their real name, it would leave their real-world picture. And that's just, that's just plainly wrong, I think, right? 
Yeah, and the issue with the, one of the complaints was that uh, the parent was really worried because his son had gotten a really negative comment on this uh, YouTube account and it made his son really anxious and afraid that somebody was out to for vengeance or do something bad to him. And this is so interesting because, and we're going to dive really deep into this, the municipality failed to risk assess the use of Chromebooks and uh, Google Workspace. And they've written, I've seen... Uh, a couple of the comments in the decisions that I've read, they say that there is a very low risk for the data subjects, in this case, uh, the pupils at the schools, which is interesting considering that this one pupil actually uh, felt anxious and afraid, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is exactly why we have DPAs, uh, sorry, DPIAs as a tool under the GDPR. I think that risk is always going to be a sliding scale, right? And I think that there is actually a big difference between giving uh, kids access to, you know, Google Docs so that they can type out their homework versus creating YouTube accounts for them uh, with all the repercussions that we just discussed. So I think that, um, you know, you can't just say, you can't just issue a blanket statement and say it's low risk. You actually have to look into the details of processing. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, so the case seems to be dating back to a few cases back in 2010. It involves a lot of different uh, schools and municipalities. And I was so blown away when I first read the decision that was uh, recently published because it said that the uh, municipality in question, they had until the 3rd of August to uh, rectify their processing and then all processing and transfers uh, to the US would have to stop immediately. But it turns out the more that I'm reading about this decision, that the first decision came in September 21. And that was regarding the same municipality and the same issue at hand. And they didn't assess risks. They didn't explore or test uh, use and configuration of the Google Workspace. Uh, and actually back in an article as well, news article, the Danish DPA said that the municipality initially failed to assess where data is processed, transferred and stored when procuring this type of uh, system. And another article back in February 21, they also say that uh, they wonder if it's even legal to store personal data with American IT companies. So it's not something that came straight out of the blue that, that many had the impression initially. It's uh, a long ongoing case where the municipality has been well aware of the DPA's um, uh, thoughts around this. And they've had ample time to bring their processing uh, in line with the GDPR. Yeah, and um, you know, Will someone's summer vacation be ruined? Yes, for sure. But uh, but as you say, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> so we can't really, you know, you can't really make an argument that this particular municipality and in general Danish public sector was not aware of this. But I think that there are a couple of things to unpack here. So first, one thing that really caught my eye was that uh, these features were disabled. So creation of social media accounts, for example. And uh, as per Google's policy, uh, clearly, when they deliver these services, they very clearly promise not to repurpose the children's data, not to use them for, um, let's say, marketing purposes. And we see the same thing in, uh, let's say, professional products delivered by Facebook, such as Workplace, where they say, please give this to your employees, we will never use it to target them outside. So be that as it may, it applies to these core services, of course, but then 
one day Google suddenly changes its terms of service and turns on, say, creation of YouTube accounts by default for everyone using this service. And uh, obviously, they still claim that they are a data processor. And then suddenly, all of these controllers find themselves in an impossible situation because they haven't assessed the risks, because they were not aware of the fact that someone's, that their processors, again, I have to laugh at the irony of this, terms have changed. What do you think about that? I mean, if we start using, you know, companies as a data processors and they just start unlocking new features, which have tons of different purposes, how would you solve something like that? Well, first of all, it's my responsibility as controller to conduct risk assessments where the municipality really, really failed massively. They should have done this years ago and they didn't. So that is my first comment on that. The second one is that it's also my responsibility as a controller to read terms of services. And I know that is there one thing that people read as little as uh, privacy policies, it is terms. But it is our responsibility. I mean, we can't say that, uh, oh, the processor just issued new, or let's call it, let's say a vendor issued new terms and we didn't care to read it because that is our responsibility. And I know it's complicated because uh, getting new terms from the likes of Google and Microsoft is a huge nightmare but we still have to deal with it. And I think that here the public sector should collaborate and cooperate on new terms to make sure that, okay, somebody reads through this and then uh, uh, interpret that uh, to, to the other public entities or municipalities. So it is our responsibility. When it comes to the processor role, I also find it very odd that a processor can all of a sudden enable new features that will uh, necessarily include processing of personal data in a new way. So I would say that they are breaching uh, the GDPR there because they are acting outside of the controller's instructions. Yes, and I think that that's actually uh, a very good point. I don't believe for a second, actually, that Google acts as a data processor in this or, you know, many similar scenarios where they deliver their products and services. But I guess they're not alone in that, right? And we have, um, like... What's the differentiation here between Google and, say, Microsoft? You know, when they deliver Microsoft Office and say that they say that by default they're getting telemetry data. So I think that, uh, that that's definitely a topic I would very much like us to, to dive into, right? Controller, processor and uh, cloud services, because I think that there is some confusion there. But uh, another interesting thing in this case, especially in that regard, is that the municipality has said that, um, you know, Google cannot repurpose data for marketing purposes and so forth and so forth, exactly for the reason you mentioned, because they are a data processor. And then uh, since municipality said, you know, as a data processor, they are obliged under this agreement to only process data on our behalf. However, of course, we can't rule out entirely the possibility that the Google will do something bad. And then the DPA used that precise statement to say, oh, look, they haven't done vendor due diligence since they can't guarantee that Google is not going to breach an agreement. Again, <laughs> probably an episode uh, in its own, but I just find that ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very strange that because it's our 
it, it comes back to our responsibility again. We have to conduct risk assessments, which mean that we have to identify various forms of risks. And it's natural to raise that as a potential risk. So we might say that because of Google's business model, yes, this is a risk, but we have mitigated that risk uh, in the way of a contract. So we have a contract with them and we can't go around expecting all our uh, collaboration partners or vendors or data process, it can't be the, our default expectations that they will break the contract. So I think that on one hand, the DPA said, you have to identify all possible risks and especially risks connected to uh, repurposing for advertising marketing purposes. They, they've said that already, but when the municipality actually does, they get crit critiqued for it. And actually says that you are breach in breach of Article 28.1, I think it was, because uh, you you haven't done your due diligence uh, properly. Yeah, that's that's just ridiculous. I mean, it's um, if it's possible for your processor to breach a contract, then you immediately are in breach of 28.1 because, hey, you can't guarantee. I mean, yeah, but, you know, that uh, peculiarity yeah. aside, there is also this uh, huge uh, data transfer component to it. And uh, you summed it up uh, by saying that the data transfers seem to be uh, prohibited. Now, what's really interesting about this case, just fact based, is that uh, Google was um, the contract was actually with uh, Google, I would say, EMEA, if I'm uh, I don't know the abbreviation. Yeah, EMEA. Exactly. So EU Google, basically, which had data centers in EU. Uh, so, uh, and the the only way that uh, that say that data transfer to a third country would take place uh, would be in support cases. Do I remember that correctly? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So the only so all data is localized to the EU, and the risk of transfer relates to support, which I don't think is unfeasible by any means, because there are always something uh, you know it pops up uh, an issue here or there, and you would rely on uh, international support people. Yeah. So that means that basically it's not it's not uh, that each student's data was transferred to uh, the US, for example, it was just in those like rare support incidents when the case could not be resolved within yeah. EU. And when you say you needed an engineer from California to look into it, right? So can you tell us a bit about, uh, you know, that stance that the DPA took there? Basically, the ban relates to uh, you, the, uh, Google being an American company. So we know that as an American company, they are because they are classified as a communication service provider, I think it is. Then they are subject to the problematic surveillance laws that was highlighted in the Court of Justice ruling on the Schrems 2 case. So we already know for a fact that this is an issue. So the uh, municipality, they um, put SECs, standard contractual clauses, in place for that potential uh, probable transfer. And they also had to implement supplementary measures, but they did a transfer impact assessment for the potential transfer of personal data 
through support cases. And they concluded that the risk was so low, low or uh, very improbable that uh, it was sufficient for them to keep using Google. And the DPA obviously uh, disagreed. And <laughs> I, I'll have to ask people to go and read the ruling and you know uh, do a translate of it somewhere because we'll only summarize it briefly on the GDPR Hub because it's very interesting to see how the municipality argues around this uh, access through FISA 702. They actually argue that the, it's, this transfer isn't subject to the law because the transfer is made to a US person and the US person cannot be targeted by uh, FISA 702. So that, there's a lot of um, interesting observation in that part of the oh, decision. Definitely. And I think, um, you know, in general, can we then just say that the takeaway here seems to be that like as unlikely as the occurrence of transfer actually is, I mean, niche support cases, as little of data as that embodies, uh, regardless of the terms incorporated in Google's policies and the uh, standard contractual clauses, that the conclusion then is still a no to the transfer, which basically eliminates any chances for risk-based approach to transfers in Denmark. Would you, would you agree? Yes, absolutely. It's a zero risk approach, which is uh, one of the things that people are really um, concerned about as well. Because we we are not sure, everyone still, what the EDPB really means here. Because if we look at the uh, supplementary measures, the recommendations 1 2020, at the very the last alternative they highlight there is that you if you consider that you have no reason to believe that relevant and problematic legislation will be applied in practice to your transfer data and or importer you may continue yeah, with the exactly. transfer. So we're still uh, a bit like, uh, are are the people in the EDPB saying that there is zero risk approach, as we see in these decisions, evidently? Or is there still, for particular transfers, the opportunity to take a risk-based approach? And I think what we're seeing from the recent Google Analytics decisions as well is that there is zero risk. There should be zero risk. And they also say the Danish DPA that contractual and organizational measures are uh, great to have in place, but they aren't sufficient. You have to put in place really strong technical measures that I would claim is out of reach for at least 95 plus percent of all businesses and organizations in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is going to create a lot of, I mean, if this kind of reasoning propagates between DPAs, I think it's going to create a lot of uh, uncertainty and it's going to just generate lots of costs because honestly, uh, Google is probably one of the companies which actually has lots of this stuff under control, but we also know how many companies rely on other uh, entities located in third countries just for things like support. I mean, everybody does support from outside of EU very often. And, you know, it's very tempting to actually just send an email to the Danish DPA, write my name, and then enclose a complaint to that email saying like, oh, if you've used Microsoft Outlook to read this email, I'm sure Microsoft can give you support from the US and, you know, you need to find yourselves in this instance. It just, it just makes no sense to me, honestly. It's going to generate huge costs, he said grumpily. 
<laughs> yeah, but it absolutely. This is a huge. This has been a huge headache for so many since the 16th of July 2020, and people are still trying to resolve this. And this isn't. This is not an easy fix for the small businesses and organizations and your local football club or whomever who have really integrated their entire operations into the ecosystems of either Microsoft or Google. And yes, it's been two years now, but I don't think it's it was feasible by any means of expecting that everybody should just be Schrems 2 compliant uh, on the 17th of July two years ago. So this is really, really problematic. How are we going to deal with this? And this decision really ups it. I would say that this decision from the Danish DPA is the most significant one since the Schrems 2 ruling. I fully, fully, fully concur with you. So I think the most important thing that... Uh, people can just continue to ensure is the very basic compliance where we say that where we see that the municipality failed massively if you don't even assess the risks of the new technology and the new software you put in place you have just ma um, failed massively not even thinking about us transfers and then mapping up all of the systems and processors that you're using and map all of the data transfers. Make sure that you know where are you storing personal data and where do the data flows go to, including all the sub and sub, 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 sub processors. So getting overview of that. But I wanted to raise one th thing uh, now at the very end here, uh, Milos, that I'm so conflicted in this decision because on the one hand, I think it's absolutely fantastic and a huge privacy win to have Google out of our schools. I don't think a company built on advertising and with their business model has anything to do uh, in processing the personal data of our kids. On the other hand, I... I think it's a dangerous approach uh, in the zero risk uh, approach, and I don't support that. I think that the GDPR should be risk-based, including the transfers. And I, I have another dilemma, and that is the whole US case as well, because looking at what's happening in that country, I am honestly concerned about how personal data may be used as a, you know, it might sound really dramatic, but as a weapon sometime in the future, looking at how things are going there. So, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot around this decision uh, that, uh, that's really complex and difficult. Absolutely. I think it reminds me of those, you know, those uh, holographic pictures, which like whichever way you turn it, into, it turns into something else or like optical illusions, because I fully agree with you. You know, kids yeah. should not be using Google products. I think uh, the bottom line is, even if they process their data in a perfectly lawful way, we don't want a generation of kids which is brought up uh, on Google products, which only knows how to use the Google ecosystem and so forth, right? I think that there is some concern in that. Um, but I also fully agree that, you know, this approach of almost cutting off your nose to spite your face of saying, no, you know, and now you can't even transfer any data to the US, it's also... Um, deeply divisive. I, I don't think that, you know, a small European company is necessarily a better choice than a US-based data processor who really has control mm. over things. But uh, that was just a very long and empty way of saying that I fully agree with everything you've said. <laughs> Can I just use 
five seconds to tell you something else um, in those concluding remarks that I found ridiculous in the case. Oh, sure. So they basically didn't just ban uh, Google uh, Workplace as a software suite. They said that they banned Chromebooks. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's like, you know, and we've banned yeah. Microsoft Surface model number 13. It makes no sense. But it's the same with phones, right? We use Android, we use Apple, we use Microsoft, we use Google, we use all of these American-based vendors and systems. And we send so much personal data and technical data, metadata to the US all the time, looking at IP addresses and all kinds of data that's not even touched upon in this decision. And it's Concerning, yes, it is, but it's also the reality we live in. And um, something I think needs to happen on a political level to solve this because forcing it upon the smallest organizations and businesses to deal with this is going to be too costly. And it's, um, I would say, I don't think it's uh, necessarily fair. No. No, it's absolutely unfair, and uh, I'm afraid that it doesn't necessarily work. But uh, thank you so much for this wonderful chat. As I said, like we always say, but this needs to be another episode. But I really think that you know there are so many issues we touched upon today <laughs> that I'm sure we'll follow up on in the future. We will for sure. Thank you so much for today, Milos. Thank you. Bye.